continuing our series on one verse on the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 29, or 27. Who do they say, or who do people say that I am? And last Sunday, we, we kind of set the scene of where we're going, where, where Jesus is going with this saying, and the response of the, the disciples. And then uh, today we're going to be looking, today we're going to be looking a little bit at what it means um, to be talking about the prophets, about John, about Jeremiah. Um, and, and others, and then the, the next two weeks leading to Easter, we're going to be looking at, you know, what, what does it mean for the disciples, and what does it mean for us. And as I said, somebody asked me this morning, what's, what's in your heart? And I shared my heart with you last Sunday, that as we go through this, I pray that as a church, as individuals, as disciples of Jesus, we come to the place of experiencing a fresh revelation of who Christ is. Uh, last week I talked about the whole idea how um, the, the people had all, when they had come to this place of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, um, they, it, it was a multi God and goddesses place. Uh, featuring all over the country, all over the region, and how it was the right place for Jesus to, to start this conversation with his disciples. Because that was the place where the Greeks were worshipping, that was the place where the Romans were worshipping, that was the place where actually the Jews were not going to engage with, with the other gods, but they had their own god. But this was a proper time. And we said that by Jesus asking the question we're going to read now, he's not only setting the scene, but he's also helping the disciples to come to that place of experiencing who Jesus is in the first hand. But also, he's preparing them for something which they don't expect to happen in the Messiah, in the Deliverer, in the Redeemer. Brian asked the question last week, saying that why was Jesus asking the people, not, especially his disciples, not to tell them? And I think we're going to be looking at that a little bit here, but I just see that perhaps it's the time that actually they were not ready. They were not ready to, to, to reveal, they were not ready to present this Jesus and the whole concept that actually he was God incarnate, Son of God coming to earth, and yet dealing with people, and yet making himself available to go to the cross and be treated like a criminal. So Mark chapter 8 verses 27 to 30. Jesus and his disciples were on the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, 
And still others, one of the prophets. Well, what about you? Asked Jesus. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. So we bring this word into our hearts, Lord, and we pray that you're going to teach us today through your Spirit and be glorified as we respond to what you have taught us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So what have we got here? We've got the disciples who have come with a baggage of a history of seeing God at work in their lives for the centuries. They've They've inherited this great story of God dealing with, with a small group of people who most of the time act stupidly towards God. And yet, He's got the time and the energy and the passion to turn their lives. Where are the disciples in this matter? They've just met with this guy who, who has been presented to them by John the Baptist, and he is claiming to be the Messiah. And then he has asked them to follow him, and they've done so. And yet, they've just come out of 400 years of silence, of not hearing a word from God. The last prophecy that was made to this group of people called Israel was Malachi. Promising that something is going to come. And then silence. Not only the disciples are dealing with this new guy into the town called Jesus, but now they've experienced firsthand what he's all about. He's changing people's lives. He's healing. He's forgiving sins. He's, he's, he's turning all their religious understanding upside down because this is not the way you're doing things right. Because the kingdom of God is different. It's upside down. And people are watching. And with the baggage of the Old Testament, they're kind of trying to draw parallels here. And you think, well, it is appropriate for Jesus to ask the question, who do people say that I am? When I was preparing this week for this passage, I was trying to find an illustration that, that suits this, this occasion here. And really, for me, the closest that will come is Actually, it's like having to see a doctor, a GP, or, or a specialist being prescribed the medication, not using the medication, putting it in the self, on, on the shelf, 
and going back to see the doctor because he has told you what you need to do in order to be healed. This is, this is the take that, we, that we, 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 we have from this passage because when Jesus is asking them the question, the people are talking of something of the past and the present. They're talking about the prophets. Well, why would they talk about the prophets? As if they had good relationships with the prophets. Look at Jeremiah. Open your books, your Bibles. Jeremiah 26. I mean, I read Jeremiah and think, this guy must have had the courage of steel. I don't want to be a Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 26 verse, I think verse 8 this is the chapter where Jeremiah is threatened with his life because he has told people to turn back to God the priests, the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speak his words in the house of the Lord but as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord has commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized, seized him and said, You must die. Who do people say that I am? Oh, you are one of the prophets. <coughs> First of all, they say you're John the Baptist. What has happened to John the Baptist in chapter 6? His head has been chopped off, and they think he is the resurrected John the Baptist. And then they say one of the prophets. It's very interesting how people deal with, with, with those things that God has really tried to engage with people, to turn themselves to Him. And people have not engaged. And that's why I say it's, it's like the phenomenon of having the medication sitting on your shelf, shelf and not using it and going against the doctor. I just wonder that as much as it, as it is preparatory for the disciples to be prepared to where Jesus is going to go, well, actually, by what Peter says later on, um, there is nothing hidden from us here. I just wonder if there are two things going on in this passage as well. I just wonder if the first thing that is going on in this passage is that every time that this group of people Things about prophets, whether Old Testament or the New Testament, such as John the, the Baptist, they think of their relationship with God. And I just wonder that every time that they can identify with them as Jesus is one of the prophets, it shows 
how in trouble they are because they've turned their backs to God. So when they talk about Jesus being one of the prophets, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Elijah, well, he's turning all these guys, John the Baptist, what was John the Baptist preaching? Repent and be baptized. What was Jeremiah preaching? Turn your backs to God. What is Elijah preaching? So every time they talk about this and they think, well, he's one of those guys, they're thinking that actually they're remembering this long-standing covenant that their forefathers made with the Almighty years ago. And they realize how far they've gone from it. Although they acknowledge that there should be something going on there. Relationship with God. We're going to be talking a little bit about that when we take communion together. So, by Jesus asking the question and by them saying that he is one of the prophets, it's kind of a reminder and an indicator that actually, although they think that they are all sordid Jews because they've kept the commandments or they, they're all dealing with the Pharisees, that, they've, that they're still not right. If my prayer for you and myself is that we have got a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, I dare ask the question, how is your relationship with God? Are you part of a group or a part of a momentum that your relationship with God is built out of fear? Is it fulfilling rules and regulations and being ticking boxes? Is it being proactively socially involved with things? Is it in the quietness of your heart where you seek his face and you pray and you spend time with scriptures? Is it by going to work with the intention to say, God, this is the place where you have entrusted me this week, how I'm going to be Jesus, and how I'm going to point people towards your power and presence this week? Or is God far away? That the moment we talk about Jesus, it brings you to your senses. But you haven't got the time for it at the moment. Because there are other things that are more important in your life. This is what it's all about. That when we come to acknowledge Jesus' presence and power being available for us, we don't just say, he is one of whatever 
Your title is. But we saying that He is God Almighty who is wanting to have a relationship with you and with me. And He has provided the means, the resources, everything that we need in order to keep this relationship strong and going. But actually, saying here's one off is much easier than staying on track with the greatest disciple maker, Jesus Christ. Or perhaps the second thought that I had as I was preparing this is there undercurrent thought that if they're talking about Jeremiah, Elijah, John the Baptist, are they also indicating that Jesus is going to be soon in trouble? Because he is challenging the status quo of what the prophets of the old have done all the time. Who's, who are the guys that are persecuted or who have told Elijah he's going to die? It's the priests. It's those who are trying to be vicarious in, in their approach to bring people closer to God. I just wonder if there is something here, something that actually the disciples have not sussed. That by Jesus being this guy who, who's reaching out and bringing salvation and bringing healing and bringing hope and forgiving sins. He is getting in so much trouble. And in himself, he's fulfilling God's mission on earth, but he's getting so much trouble, and he's end up, he's going to end up like his fellow prophets of the old and the present. But what are they missing on them? Well, I'll tell you what they're missing on. They're missing on the last chance that God is giving to his creation to reconcile himself with him. Because in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, open the Bibles with me. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. I love this verse.
But if we want to follow faithfully our life of discipleship, we cannot do it without the cross. Otherwise, we would be in the same place as the Jewish nation by calling Jesus one of but I want for us as a church to have more than that sense of one-off. Because of who he is, really. And I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. And I don't know where you are with your understanding of what Christ has done for you. But today is an opportunity for you to come to Jesus. Say thank you for what you have done for me. Thank you for this revelation. Thank you that you came to this earth for me to fix my relationship with Jesus.